What's up, Black Love fam and first-time fam? We're getting ready to go man-to-man here on the Black Love Podcast Network. I'm David Wazicki, General Manager of Black Love, and I know you're going to love who I'm talking to today. But first, I have to give a shout out to Target. They've been partnering with HBCUs to support the next generation of Black talent. And one of the ways they're teaming up with HBCUs is through Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where HBCU students submit designs to be included in their Black History Month collection. And you know their Black History Month collection is fire. You see it everywhere, all month long in February. You can't miss it. All the designs are dope. So I'm really looking forward to that HBCU flavor that they're going to add into the mix. Winners of the Design Challenge get access to networking opportunities, mentoring, and more. So we got to support this. It's truly an outstanding opportunity for up-and-coming Black talent. So please make sure you check back during Black History Month to see the latest winners at your local Target. I know I'm going to check mine out. Shout out Target T1307 right here in LA. You know I'm going to be there Feb 1 checking it out and see what's going to be featured in their 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy. Invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more. All right. And today, we're talking to a man who is a life performance coach with a focus on fitness, which I think is dope, and we're going to get into that in a bit. He's also a father, New York native, one of the last of a dying breed. And uh, before we get into all the things and all the background, let's get into it. Man to man with the Garnett Strother. Welcome, my brother. Wow, that was amazing. That was the greatest intro I've ever had. I will take that. And you're very welcome. <laughs> David, you're incredible. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man. I'm a fan of the show now. Thank you for sh- for sharing that um, clip to get me like ready and everything. But man, that your show was amazing. You had some amazing people. And I researched them and I went like all through my trip to Egypt, the whole 10 hours, I was listening to you, listening to your to your guests. They, they were they were incredible, man. So I'm um, kudos to you, kudos to the Black Love community, and uh, it's. It, I really hope this thing. I hopefully hope what you're doing blows up to a, a major, major wow. level. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that genuinely. And of course, yeah, same here. So I want to add you into the fray of amazing, dope uh, men that we've been speaking to, and I'm sure the Black Love audience is going to think the same as we go down our journey. So before we go into said journey, I always want to start off with our blue check, actually our teal blue check certification for man-to-man. It's a man-to-man blue check Mm. certification question. So I got to get you on board, certified, part of the crew of amazing men that we've had so far. I'm honored. Well, I'm honored to be among Here it goes. (laughs) You're you're about to be a part of it. (laughs) So I ask everybody to get the seal of approval. What does masculinity mean to you? Uh, masculinity to me means to be uh, a true mm. uh, warrior, not in the sense that I'm like running into battle with my sword out and like bravado, but in the sense of appreciation for mastery <laughs> in all things. I think that a man today is a lot more complex than it was like when it was redefined in the turn of the century, I say of like 1999 when Fight Club came out, we were like, are we a man 
are we men as like the hunter gatherer sense of the yeah, word? Yeah. Like right, you know what I mean? Like are we like killing to eat and defending the home? No. But are we what makes us men now? We're protectors of the realm. We're fifty percent of the great thinkers of the planet. It's our job to protect the home and and to protect those that we love and to inspire the next generation. Again, we're only fifty percent of the equation, but if we play our roles correctly, there's no limit to what the, the human mm. race can do. So I think that being a man is is a huge task for me, seeing how I was raised predominantly by women. It's a huge role for me. So I think that being a man is about protecting the integrity and helping humanity move forward. I love it. That's beautiful. Right. <laughs> no, right. seriously. <laughs> Look, no one has yet to say the same answer twice. And I'm always impressed mm-hmm. by where that conversation goes or where our conversation goes based on the mm-hmm. answer to that question. So one thing you touched on, excuse me, was being raised by women. So I know you were raised by a single mm-hmm. mom. You also had input from your mm-hmm. grandmother, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. She was a G. Liza Thomas was a G. She uh, raised hmm. a lot of kids, actually. She, I have 50 first cousins. Uh, I have 10 I have nine uncles and aunts and my mom was the last of 10. So I'm like my brothers and my brothers and I are like the, the last group, you know, and it's, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot being like my, my grandmother was equally compassionate as she was <laughs> vicious and ruthless. It was like, she'll let anyone stay in this home. She'll let anyone stay here. But if you, you yeah, yeah. cross her, man, it's a wrap for you. Like, and the same thing with my mom, you know, like I grew up with like literally the neighborhood staying in my house. I slept on the floor with my brothers and whoever decided to, to show up. And it yeah. was it was challenging, but she handled it with a lot with a lot of grace. And she handled it the only way only yeah. the only way a black woman can like grace, strength, intelligence. You got to be versatile. So the, for me, I got to at least match that attitude when it comes to being a man let's say being uh, aggressive and being offensive and being like, uh, uh, and having that go-getter attitude is part of being a woman that I got to, and I have all this testosterone and ability to, to be aggressive, then right. I got to use that for good. So uh, yeah, my, they set the tone and they, they raise it's, the bar very it sounds high. like it. So wait, you, <laughs> let, let me just verify the first number. You said five zero cousins. These are actual cousins. Five zero. Wow. Yeah, first cousins. Like they all lived in my house. They all, you know, in and out of jail. Came in. You needed a place to hide off from the cops. You'd come over to to four uh, <laughs> B and and just figure it out. This is what everyone came to figure out. My grandmother would call the do drop in because everybody just yeah. came through like it was their house. My grandmother always had something to eat. She always had something to you know, a warm place to sleep. She never turned anybody away. She just was a dope yeah, person, yeah. you know, but she's vicious. She was letting criminals in right. your house. Obviously, you can't trust everybody. <laughs> so she slept with that thing on her every night. And then in case some shit happened, it was like watching that, which, which is what made me be the man that I am today, because she didn't really mm-hmm. trust men. My mom, my grandmother, my aunts, female cousins, they don't they didn't really trust men. My, you know, my mom, my grandmother would say, "Stick dicks, stick dicks." <laughs> didn't have any conscience. That's just, my grandmother would right. tell me that, like as a child. You know, she she didn't pull any punches. If I brought a I girl over, ask. she would sit the girl down and be like, "Let let me yeah. 
Let me tell you something <laughs> about these men. And I'm like, yo, I'm not even like I was so innocent too. Like they did a good job, right. but they still right. didn't trust the fact that I was a man. They did a great job. I mean, I had a daughter really young, but she's in college now. Like I raised her, <laughs> like I did my thing. Like, what you want me to do, man? But, but even you know, like right. I, you can't get I couldn't do better than that. But she she just was like, you know, hard on me. She just and my mom too. So that's all they knew was the hard way. So I, but I appreciated them for making me who I am, making me more ferocious. Yeah, absolutely. And to give a little context for everybody listening, Garnett was born, raised, mm. still living in the LES, i.e. the Lower East Side for those that are not New Yorkers or familiar with New York City. Uh, it's the Lower East Side. I'm a fellow native New Yorker, so mm-hmm. I can attest to Oh, oh! Dad. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing Come on, you know I had to give. You no, know I had to give it to you, Dave. Come on, Dave. Off the air. You know I had to give it to you. So, for those who don't know, if you say that you're from New York, we mean New York City. But some of us are from upstate New York, and technically it's New York, but we don't really. Uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be in California. It's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not from upstate. From... Our boy is from upstate. Winston, shout out. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Brian Winston, upstate. shout out. Brian Winston, shout out upstate New York. There you go. Shout out upstate New York, which we'll get into in a second. Right However, Spanish Harlem, Garnett, Spanish Harlem, my man. Oh. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just putting it out I'm there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, okay. All right. All right. There you go. No one, no one went to say you're wrong. There you go. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm, I was 100% incorrect. Don't no. know why you grew up. Look, I thought you grew up with no. why I was. That, that's, just, I don't know. Man, I look, no that's idea. a story for another time. That'll that'll be a part two, I'm sure. Nevertheless. But he turned out so well. Like he t- <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, sir. Spanish Harlem. <laughs> he turned out amazing. Now, your brother, <laughs> you can see the Spanish Harlem influence. <laughs> well, well, my brother is a Jersey City influence. Oh, JC all the way. Yeah, yeah, he is. Shout he out is Jersey JC City. Yeah, we're 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 shouting out a lot of yeah, shouting track. out a lot of the tri-state. JC, but uh, we continue on as we do. So we raised we. by women in the LES, I believe. Valkyries, it. warrior I believe women, it. and yes. So with the viciousness and with the energy, with the testosterone, mm. some point you gotta figure out how to channel this energy. And I'm going to assume, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, but at some point, martial arts comes into your life. Where did that love start? At seven years old. I was watching Ninja Turtles, you know, all the Bruce Lee movies. I fell in love with like the mysticism of it, like self-control, being in control Mm -hmm. of myself because I didn't really, I couldn't find, like I'm in a house full of like 13 people. You know what I mean? Like how can I possibly find control over my narrative or or anything, you know? So- Martial arts allowed me to find that self-control. So I learned at seven, like, and also martial arts was everywhere in the Lower East Side. People would walk around with nunchucks in the street. Like it was like, it was a, it was a weird time, but also like to have the, yeah. to have both, both elements of martial arts where you had like the aggressive, uh, let's say hard styles like karate and judo and boxing and stuff like that. But then you'd walk to school and you see a hundred people seven o'clock in the morning doing Tai Chi all on the same page. Hmm. 
That's right. Different yeah. nationalities, yeah. you know, different ethnicities, all just doing is flowing together. And that I didn't realize that time, but it was such a pivotal uh, mental image to see that I grew up with nothing but diversity. So it mm. formed my choices of what I want to be surrounded by. Like if you look behind me, there's a bunch of stuff from like Asian influences. There's a lot of stuff from like Alex Gray and then Kobe, and then there's like rock and roll influences. Because Lower East Side was like a melting pot of all kinds of things, but martial arts was definitely a driving force. Because I'm like right next to Chinatown, and um, yeah, you know what I mean. And it was just, it was just being at the right place at the right time in the early '90s. It was inevitable that I would be into rock and roll, hip hop, and martial arts. It's just, this is what what you did, you know. It's just like, so yeah. normal. Yeah. You know, I'm a very average person uh, from the Lower East Side. It's very average interest. This is what everybody did. Yeah, well, you you managed to uh, take it to a different level, which I'll get to in a second. Mm. But I, I don't want to lose sight of of the storyline with uh, with women in your life because yes. I, I want to also speak about one of the probably most important women in your life, your daughter Lizzie. Hundred uh, percent. Shout out. Shout out to Lizzie. <laughs> my prime, my so prime for, motivation in my life. See that? I so I, I just want to dig into this a little bit with fatherhood and and your experience and and lessons that you learn from martial arts, the LES, your mom, your aunts, your grandmother, uh, LES at large. It seems which it already starts to sound like the Lower East Side outside of your family had a huge influence on you and your upbringing. Um, yeah. Which did for a lot of us in New York. You drop out of high school at 17. I thought we were going to talk about this. <laughs> I just spoke with you, Dave. Yeah, I dropped out of high school when I was 16. And then, oh, 16. Yeah, okay. it's funny. This is the, like, almost the anniversary of me dropping out. Uh, Liz wow. was born five months after 9-11. So it was just wow. today's, today's the 14th. Um, so 9-11 happened. I'm watching the towers literally crumble from school, from the window yeah. from school. Two months after that, her mom calls me and is like, I'm pregnant. I'm five months pregnant. Wow. So Liz is born four months after that. And I'm now I turned 17. I turned 37. And uh, yeah, so it's the 20th anniversary of all that stuff. Of everything, actually. Of Liz, of dropping out of school, 9-11, and me you know, getting my things together. So wow. um, yeah, I turned 37 next week. So I turned 17. I drop out. I get my GED. Now, you know, you drop out, it's not, you can't just like hustle and find some money. It's not like old New York anymore. You have the Patriot right. Act. You got the hustling is dead. You can't go out there and just make a dollar like you used to. And now yep. there's no, there's no commerce here in the lower Manhattan. You know, everything's shutting down. So now I really got to become resourceful and figure things out. So years go by and I'd never see Liz. I think I see Liz. Hmm. No, I see Liz one time in two years. Her mom vanishes. So now I realize wow. that I got to get my shit together so that I can go get and find Liz and have her in my life. So I like had from the ground up, I had to petition to be her father on paper because her mother didn't put me on the birth certificate. So I got to go to court to prove I'm her father. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. I had to go and petition to just be in her life and prove that I'm a, I'm a valuable person in her life. So I had to accumulate all of this paperwork of everything that I paid for for her. I have a stack of receipts from everything I paid for since she was two years old till she till I got custody of her at a, about eleven or twelve. 
I have hmm. everything I've ever bought just in case her mom tried to flip out. Liz was the turning point in my life that made me go on the straight and narrow. Like I had to get a GED. I had to do something with my life. I knew I had to do it with martial arts because I wasn't going to be happy doing anything else. And I was a really stubborn kid. There was no fucking way I was going to work at someone else's place to make them money and not make myself money and not be an entrepreneur. There was no fucking way. So, you know, Liz was the reason why I leaned so hard towards like personal development. I was reading self-help books for, for years and trying to get my mind ready yeah. and my mind to, to, to prepare to be a father. But my dad wasn't around either. He, he was dealing with his own issues at the time. Uh, and my mom wasn't around because she had to work. So I was really left to my own devices and many times, you know, just kicked out of the house because, you know, you get disagreement with black parents, as you well know. Sure. It's either, you know, their way or the highway. So sometimes yep. you was on that highway, bro. Like, yep. <laughs> you walk up by yourself. <laughs> so, you know, navigating that while having a child, being homeless, no job, dropped out of school, no kid, and you're seven, I mean, with a kid and you're 17 years old. Yeah. You don't have a lot of options. So I, I really relied on a lot of government-funded programs to help me along my way, like Strive. Strive is, if you're in the New York area, reach out to Strive if you need help, job placement. I think I got on welfare as well. I work directly across the street from the welfare office that I went to to apply 20 years ago. Really? Today. Like I, really? I work, yeah, the gym that I'm at. Yeah, yeah. The gym I'm at is like the best gym in the city, complete body. And that gym was uh, bought out this other fabulous place called clay and they oh i remember turned clay. it up a notch right yeah yeah so it's the same place as clay and right across the street is where i stood on line i remember that fall when i dropped out of high school and i watched that line every day and just in gratitude like yeah. wow so crazy that i was on that line asking for food stamps and now i'm over here and i'm one of the best trainers in the city it's it's a you know, it's all because of my daughter. Really, like, well, she was the catalyst. I don't know if I would have pushed myself as hard as I did if, if she wasn't around. But my back to my, my mom and my grandmother, mm. they hated men so much. Yeah. Even though I was trying to get all my shit together, they were just, like, downplaying, down, like, just talking down to me all the time about men. And, like, you're just like your father. You're just like every other guy. You get a girl pregnant, and then you're not going to handle business. And I, I was like, you know, fuck all that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I'm a, I'm a... I had generational trauma and generational uh, issues to overcome, and I was not going to lose. And I wasn't going to lose. I wasn't going to do it their way. I had to do it my way. There's the only way that I was going to get it done. So, and just because you got to do it by yourself doesn't mean that it can't be done. Stay focused, and you find something that drives you. You can do anything. Yeah, you can do anything. Yeah, look, the generational trauma thing. You know, it's something that's becoming more apparent and more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned this a lot that I, I feel like our generation of men in particular, and you mentioned this earlier about the complexity of being a man these days, I feel like our generation mm -hmm. is the generation that's begun to really dive into all the facets, your feminine energy, your masculine energy, mm -hmm. sensitivity, what it really means to be a dad right. and not just, you know, show right. up once in a while, give a pat on the back and move on. But it's no, there, there right. there's real parenting there. There's real values there. And the biggest thing, what you're illustrating, it's something I'm experiencing with my three and a half year old mm. daughter is they're teaching you at the same time. So as right. you just said, you wouldn't have done all of these things 
had it not been no, for Lizzie. I wonder. You know, like I don't think and, so. And and I yeah. think besides I think besides just sheer motivation of having a child, I think there's so much more there that comes to the mm-hmm. table that a child brings to you that you may not know mm-hmm. plainly in plain sight and just understand, oh yeah, they're teaching me this, this, and this. These are the five values. And from this, right, yeah, right. fatherhood. Here I am, a great father. It's no, it's right. essentially what you're speaking to where they almost transform you as much as you transform and try to do your best to give them oh, love, yeah. support, um, and opportunity, um, essentially. That's right. So, I mean, essentially, that it's a symbi- it's a symbiosis yeah. of information and and connectivity. When you know Liz, you look at Liz like, oh, that's cl-, like Brian would be like, oh, that's that's clearly Garnett's kid, but she influences me just as much. As I influence her. Sure. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, being she steals all my clothes <laughs> and shit when she was living here. But like the way that she wears it is not like me at all. She'll cut the top off and and put like, you know, stockings or whatever. Like she's her own vibe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And towards the end, I was like, yo, Liz, does this outfit look right? Yeah. I'm old. Like I don't does this look this is, uh, what do you think about this? She goes, Yeah, yeah, that works. Or like, nah, man, you can't. I'm colorblind as well. So she was like my go-to person to ask to help me put together things. I can't see colors that well. So yeah, it's uh, what you're experiencing now will continue into perpetuity mm. as long as they're close, yeah. they're close to you. It's a, it's a beautiful, having a daughter is a blessing. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like your daughter has, a lot of people say it's like it softens you, like a daughter, exact, does it? Do you feel like it's, I think it's like, it, <laughs> You can calm down. It expands. So, because I don't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that way. I, I I felt more ferocious. I was like, yo, I was like, that messes with my daughter, right? Like, yeah. you know, I got obviously messes with my daughter, but like in life, like if, when Brian met me, I was a when wild I met animal. you, I was ready to. When I, I met you, when you met me, you, I was just like, dude, we, yeah, like ten years ago, we met at the. Yeah, we, we clashed, we clashed we when we first met. We were, I was like, yeah. yo, who the fuck is this? I think it's wearing sweaters and scarves and shit. Get the fuck out of my face. So I was like, <laughs> and a and a little now I'm a, scarf a little side note to the scarf and sweater wearing is that <laughs> I used to have a Euro, Euro Dave. Dave. I used to have a nickname Euro Dave. Euro Dave because. Not only the style, but the style was influenced by my world traveling. So for me, at, a, at an early age, I quickly understood the importance of getting out of your habitat of where you live and knowing there are billions of people on this globe that are sharing right. time and space with us. I need to go see what their experiences are like. I need to go understand what they're like. And of course, you grow up in America. You grow up as a young melanated kid. And it's like, oh, European, European ideals are the way to go. So I got to go to Italy. I got to go to France. I got to go to England. I got to hit all the, you know, your Mm -hmm. uh, major European countries. I got to get all that check mark. So yeah, I come back. At this point, I'm traveling. And then I meet this young man, Garnett, from the Lower East Side. <laughs> Dave is like, wow, who, who is this person? <laughs> he goes back with a fucking beret. Who, who the fuck? I always felt like you and I were like the beret. 
barom- like the Brian yeah. Winston yeah. barometer. Because like you're, you know what I mean? Like you're like the the yin, and I'm the yang to his to what he appreciates. Because he can be, yeah, Euro ish. He could at a certain part that he can be, but he's really like a gangster. <laughs> or he thinks mother- he is. He thinks he is. He inside he will it will again. He thinks he is. He thinks he could beat me up. I'm like, why again, do you? He grew up in upstate Ryan, New York, listening to DMX. You gotta, you guys. There you go. <laughs> right, right, and like, and like, Sean right, Price. Sure. And I'm like, bro, yeah. you're not. <laughs> yeah, he loves, he loves like get like right. people from Brownsville. He like, and I don't know why he relates to that. He's like everything right. that's right. not that right. at all. We like, he has so yeah. much love yeah. around him too. When he, when you met me. I was literally fighting for custody for my daughter. I was going back and forth to Philadelphia to uh, go to court. And I would have my little briefcase. I'm like, I'm 20, I don't know, 25 years old, 24 years old, fighting for my custody of my like, you know, nine-year-old daughter at the time and going to see her every other weekend. And when you are in that mode, yeah, and I'm hustling. Like I'm doing. Like I've got four jobs. When you met me, I was doing personal training, oh, bodyguard right. work, yeah. security at night right. and teaching karate to kids. At the like at the same time, I have four yeah. jobs, and yeah. I wasn't fucking around. And then Brian, the reason why I bring up Brian so much, guys, is because Brian Winston was the first person I remember in my adult life to show me kindness. He was the first person to be like, "Yo, you want to just hang out, and watch the game in my house." <laughs> And then he introduced me to you guys, you like DB, and and like this whole world of like model attractive people <laughs> like you, yourselves. Sir. And then Brian was like, you know, Garnett, you're 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 actually attractive too. I don't hang out with ugly people, bro. That's what he would say. I don't hang out with ugly people. <laughs> and I was like, really, Brian? Sure, <laughs> stop. stop it. So I was like, all right, I still yeah, stop it, but keep it coming. Uh, I just I just never. He really helped me with my self-esteem. So Brian Wilson is a very uh, pivotal person in my life. He just, yeah. yeah, just being kind where he needed to be changed everything. I still am friends with everyone that I've ever met through Brian. A lot of his clients, as he's retired from personal training, reached out to me to work with me because me and Brian are so close. And then now we're really close. Me and sure. the clients and I are like this. Like we're, you know, a, a lot of people that I work with you know, like Chris Cox. Oh man, like I met him when he trained with Brian. He, just, we just fell in love with each other. Love that guy, man. Noah Tepperberg. He loved that guy, yo. I love how he just loves his job. He loves his family. Those guys are just like incredible, man. Like, and I see why Brian was attracted to them is because they're just remarkable people. Brian has excellent taste in humans. I have to say. So no, but you know, podcast is not about him. But he was inspirational exactly. to me. That's how we. That's how we know each other. And. If it wasn't for that kindness, I don't. I wouldn't have gotten through that phase in my life where I needed friends, and I couldn't hang out with the people that I was hanging out with before because they were just so sure. negative. And they still they're at where they're at now. They're still doing the same sure. shit they were doing before, just getting heart disease, dying, or sick. And during that time, I was still becoming who I who I am. It's so crazy that I'm so close to forty now, but now I can look back and be like, you know, this is probably the best case scenario. Meeting you guys, I don't. I didn't think I was gonna make it this far. Um, to be honest, and I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, this story motivates people to do anything is possible. Like if I, if you can go from being homeless and yeah, being a like a teen dad, not having any job, any people just gave up on me. They just Ex- yeah, like, we've <laughs> yeah, seen this exactly. story before. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. 
we see, you know, right. oh, really? You need help. Get out <laughs> right. of town. Me too. <laughs> right. You better figure that shit right. out. Yeah, man. But like what really changed me was a few years ago, I started studying uh, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. And that helped me tremendously with understanding people and understanding myself so that I can become yeah. more resourceful when it came to these situations. Because I found that when I'm training my clients, or I'm working, with, or I'm hanging out with friends, most of the people are 10 years older than me. Brian's is like seven years older than me. Old guys are like, you know, my older brothers, but they usually ask me for advice sure. because I've been through so much already. I'm the younger guy in, the, in every friend group that I have, but I've been through everything. I've lost everything. I got it back. Been through everything, man. There's nothing that, that surprises me at this point. All right. Before I get into this next question, I've got to mention something. Target is partnering with HBCUs to support the next generation of black talent. One of the ways they're teaming up with HBCUs is through their HBCU Design Challenge, where HBCU students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. I think that's pretty dope. I think the Black History Month collections are pretty dope. Not only are they on full display every single year, but you know HBCU students are going to bring it. So I'm excited to see what's coming out in 2022. So fam, check back during Black History Month to see the latest winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy. Invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit target.com slash Measure to learn more. Okay, let's get back into it. Can you explain to the listeners what neurolinguistics encompasses, NLP, uh, neurolinguistic programming? Yes. Uh, neurolinguistic programming is the ability to understand the mapping and reality that we all share individually. There's a collective unconsciousness that human beings share, right? Like Jung, Carl Jung talks yeah. about it with his like with archetypes. Right? That's why superhero movies are so popular. They represent these internal representations of how we perceive our father figures, our mother figures, our brothers, the, our comedians in our life, our, our tr yeah. the tragedy yeah. the, and the shadow self, right? the unknown, the subconscious mind. To understand all those things is to just understand our patterns in daily life. And to recognize those patterns give, gives you this place of mastery over your own internal domain and the ability to listen to people. And then you could also, you know, like you, you probably Google it, <laughs> Google it and just like pick sure. up artists that use this stuff yeah. to like influence women, which is complete nonsense. No one ever does anything that they don't want to do. There's no such thing as like hypnotism in a sense where you, you're not going to be able to do it. it you, the subconscious is really driving the right. bus. If the subconscious right. doesn't want to do it, it ain't happening. It's not happening. So you can use your, like, your influencer powers all you want, but at the end of the day, you know, I find that fitness is the perfect way to, uh, to execute NLP is because people already want to do this. There's a part of them that want to be better, and that part of them needs to be nourished. And that it, understanding someone else's communication style and reality is so helpful to doing that because a lot of times we just you know trainers you know they want to yeah, yeah. input their methodology on them on on the client 
right? Everything that works for me isn't going to work for you. You might have different goals than I do. You have a totally different perspective of what you want to achieve. But if I'm able to listen to what you have to say and hear it accurately without going into like my own story about it, it's very hard to do going into an interpretation. And is that essentially where you went from personal training and solely fitness to performance training, essentially, and and the the phrase you use, life performance with a focus on fitness? That's right. It's a subtle game. It's a subtle, it's a, it's a subtle situation. Life performance, life performance is communicating to someone's subconscious mind so that they make decisions that overall affect their fitness level. It's, it's been a hundred percent effective with yeah. everyone that I, that I, I work with, you know, when you have like uh, certain personalities, you have to pass what's called the macho test. You ever meet somebody? Let's and, go. <laughs> well, let's use a, let's keep Brian Winston in there. Brian Winston is—he's very—he's <laughs> very stubborn. You can't just tell Brian, "Yo, oh, this shit is course. the best thing I've ever seen." Yeah. He's not gonna—you already not right. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's not—he's not gonna listen to you. You gotta be very uh, use a suggestive tone yes. with Brian because he's deeply internal. He's deeply internally motivated, so you can't communicate to his like external. Oh, don't you see what right. everybody else is doing? He doesn't give a shit about what everybody else is doing. You got to communicate to him as it relates to him. When he started doing NLP, he does, he's a master practitioner as well. It took years for him to actually execute and like put the money down and do it. it took him years. But he just saw the way that my life was and like how I was communicating. He was like, oh, I got to do this. This is great. I'm going to do that. He went to the same place that I went to with the same instructors. But it's a, it's a, sometimes it's a long game. It's a, it's a subtle the subtle, you know, communication of the subconscious mind is very, it doesn't work the way you think it does. It's very mm-hmm. subtle. You got to really listen to how, what people feel. And that's what I'm passionate about. That's, that's it. Communication is the essence of creating real positive state change and behavioral change in right. people. It's not just <laughs> right, like, right, you know, right. oh, I fixed my habits. It takes 30 days to fix my habit, which is bullshit. You can fix your habits like this. It's just, do you believe that fixing this habit is going to get the change that you're looking for. That's when things get a little messy. Because sometimes people aren't congruent with themselves. Yeah, I want to stop smoking cigarettes, but... Uh, you know, right, I, right. Yeah, exactly. Is that, that serious? I'm not that sick yet. <laughs> you know? It's not like I have a cough or something. <laughs> or my breath stinks and my teeth are yellow. It's not like any of that shit. It's just, you know, I, I'll do it when I feel like it. Some people... Because some people smoke cigarettes because it eases stress, and some people smoke cigarettes because it's right. like fuck exactly. you. Exactly. Who the fuck are you to tell me that I can't smoke cigarettes? Who, who are you? Same thing with food. I have clients that just eat food just to say fuck you. It's their fuck you. <laughs> yep. So what? I'm overweight right. and I'm getting right. paid. Fuck you. What you gonna do about it? You know what I'm saying? But then it's about <laughs> it's up it's up to those type of people like Brian Winston to make the decision for themselves. But Mm. it's our goal as coaches to incept the idea to help them move along to their journey a little faster because they did hire you. They want to be better for a reason. (laughs) That's right. They they gave you the money and it's a lot of money. It ain't cheap. So you want want positive state change. And the Mm. key to motivation is understanding motivational language. What direction is it coming from? Like if you're internal, like Brian, or if you're external, 
You know, look at this. Look at this guy. Oh, he looks right. amazing. Right. Oh, I want to be like that. That's an externally motivated person, right? Or or towards or away. Brian is very towards. You, you, you're gonna get Brian and yourself as well. Like, yo, you're gonna get. You're gonna get you guys by like, yo, that looks dope. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you, that looks that looks really cool? I'm gonna go towards my goals. Mm. I have I have goals and aspirations. I want to yeah. achieve. All these words are like towards, towards, towards. But away from people, hmm. they irritate people that like towards language. You know, like a away from people are like, hey, listen, what? So, uh, what are your fitness goals? Oh, I just don't want to be like my right. dad. Now that sounds like a negative tone, but it's not negative. It's not like a bad right. thing. It's just they are right. motivated by moving the fuck away from how their dad lives and acts. To make that distinction is everything. Because if I'm like, let's go climb this mountain to like that away <laughs> right. person, they're going to look at me like, you yeah. can come the fuck yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? So it's about identifying those motivational mm. pattern language and then listen to productivity language. Are they proactive? Are they reactive? Right? Uh, do they like options? Or do they like procedures? Some people, right. they go to right. the gym. When you go to the gym, you're teaching somebody something, it's procedural. But the, there's, a, there's a spectrum, you know what I'm saying? When you teach somebody something, there's a spectrum. It's, it's like, all right, we, we can do this and we can do that. Tell me what, how you're feeling today. They're really leading to the same thing. It's just how you present it. Like when you're talking to your daughter, hey, baby, hey, baby girl, you want to you eat your vegetables? I don't want to eat vegetables. Okay, well, you can eat right. your vegetables right. now <laughs> or you right. can eat your vegetables later exactly. when they're cold. Either way. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You gotta eat. <laughs> it, 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 either way, exactly. You gotta eat, eat these vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we gonna yeah. eat these vegetables tonight, right? Like you'll get there one day. Like it's like who am right? That's right. Yeah. I was a dad right. longer than yep. I've been anything else in my life, Dave. I've been a dad longer than anything. Yeah, and that that question's interesting because for me, it it brings up that thought process or the concept rather of multiple identities that we all carry. So, you know, there's the phrase I'm sure a lot of people have heard where you go out into public mm -hmm. and you generally wear a mask because that's your persona when you go out into the world. When you come home, you get you have a different persona. Right. Whether you're with self, <laughs> you have a different right. persona with yourself, hopefully the truest self. Right. With uh if you're in a relationship, if mm -hmm. you're a father, uh right. whatever the case may be. When you're working, different persona. You know, we button up the voice and we, you know, depending on where you work, corporate or not. But <laughs> there, there right. are a lot of these different personas. But I think the most important mm -hmm. ones to us tend to be within what are we passionate about? One of that should be, I hope, for for most uh, parents is be that, mm. being a parent. And for you, it clearly sounds that way, which has been a, a huge breakthrough in your life. So then you also can't lose sight of Garnett Struther. Like, who is this man, you know? And outside of all that you've done in the persona of dad, where is Garnett? I think um, I'm the same. That's the thing. I've, I, I knew I was coming to this place when I, around the time I started hanging out with you guys, I knew yeah. that I was arriving at this place because I was like, yo, I'm yeah. like mad different people. Like I'm mad, I'm, I'm into like mad different things. So I didn't, it was difficult for me to not express myself. 
because yes, I ha- like I think most people perceive me as having a persona because I dress differently, I look different, <laughs> and I, I like I literally just right. came from work dressed like exactly. I just came from the Havana in, in Miami. Like this is how I am. This is who I am. I don't have like and when I started going out with you guys, I didn't have time yeah. to go home. Yeah, shower, change. Like I just finished working twelve hours. Right, I would shower at the gym, where like air out my shit and head to the to the club or wherever we were going that day. Right, so I just kept that going. I was like, I'm I'm just gonna be me. I'm gonna express myself the best I possibly can in all facets of what I do, which is why my Instagram looks like that and like the trips look like that because I just gotta be me. I just gotta be authentically me. I that's why I got into this business is because I I knew that sure. I couldn't be myself wearing a fucking t-shirt from somebody else's gym you know wearing a name tag wearing a hat and like i just can't do that i'm never going to be happy or free unless i do that you know you're bringing up those those all Jungian archetypes to the self you know the persona the ego the super ego the death of the i I just made a post about that actually it's funny that you just brought that up about the super Mm, ego yeah and how it's like that it's like the parental unit that father voice (laughs) You know, that it's a exactly. masculine voice yeah. that tells you, you, you can't, yeah. what are you doing? You should yeah. be doing this like so-and-so. You should be over there going to school. That's the harsh superego. But the superego is there to, to protect us. It's part of that, like, Superman-type archetype that that helps us, you know? A huge influence of mine, because I didn't have a father figure, right. were, were superheroes. Right. And I realize that now because of the young men archetypes that they represent, you know? Right. Right. Superman is the is the ego, you know. Batman is the unknown, the the shadow self, you know. Uh, uh, there's a there's the anima and the animus. Anima is a is a man with a feminine uh, inside, right? It's, internally, they have feminine qualities, not necessarily like effeminate, but compassionate, patient. Right. That is part of our natural what attracts us to a mate. Yes. Having a little speed right. of the other inside of them. Then you have the animus, like a woman that has masculine characteristics, like Wonder Woman or Black Widow or whatever you're into, right? So all of these archetypes have existed throughout uh, society, uh, throughout time, and they exist within us in our collective unconsciousness. That's why we resonate with them so much. And to have awareness of this has been greatly helpful for me to navigate my own journey on self-discovery once again mm. as i get older yeah is the first birthday i haven't had my daughter around since she was born uh next week you know this is a. Uh, it sometimes if i don't know if it felt lonely but i don't know if I've, I've been i've processed this thing it's only been a few weeks so i don't know i don't know where uh i'm going to be going but that's okay i felt like i didn't know before when i was homeless i i, I figured it out but hopefully it's a place where I can be proud of my work. You know, I don't feel like I'm done yet at all. I'm just getting started. In fact, now that I can focus all my energy on my creative outlets, I really want to transform the personal training industry into a much more compassionate place for trainers to be themselves. Yeah. And I mean, look, from everything I see that you're doing from afar and have seen while I was in New York, you're totally doing that. And, you know, this isn't, you know, smoke. This is real fact, and I'm I'm being genuine here. You have you as a person, number one. Let me just say that first and foremost, because like you said earlier, when we first met, it was a lot of clashing, 
And I, I just said, Brian, I don't know what you see in this guy. <laughs> I don't know why you hang around this guy. Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I know you did. I, <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Me either. <laughs> what are you that doing? Makes two of us. Yeah. I said, this, but you were like, yo, what are you doing? I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <Brian>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree that he should not have been hanging out with yeah. him. Yeah. I, I totally. No, like, I know. He just likes the gutter so much. Probably. So, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's he angry that you that found shit. Feast. That, I that's think he's a mad that I found funny Feast. dichotomy. Yeah. But I, I think in, you know, in, in the grand scheme, though, from that meeting point, from that place years later, over a decade later now, where you are as a person, one, two, what you're doing in the industry and, you know, taking things from just fitness to a true life performance uh, basis, which I honestly think is the future. So I feel like you've tapped into that early because with all of the conversations now, thankfully, around mental health and especially in in black and brown communities, which has been way too long of a time coming, I think now mm-hmm. what you're doing, that's, that's only the next step and you're, you're ahead of the game. And then you also mm-hmm. have independent trainer podcasts. Where again, you do have a podcast, season one, season one wrapped up, correct? Oh, that's right. There you go. I do have a podcast. Season one is in the books. There we go. It's in the books. I'm happy about it. Um, I got some heavy hitters coming into season two. <laughs> I can't wait well, to, to have them on board. You know, Brian Wentz has got to be in season two. He didn't quite make it to season one. Yeah. But uh, the fact that the trainers don't have an end game strategy for what they want to accomplish is a problem. We kind of work until we're dead. Or can't move. You know, most trainers don't have insurance. Most trainers are just, they were athletes and now they're like, oh, I guess I'll do this because I'll stay involved with the sport I love, but then lose sight of what mm-hmm. really makes them who they are. This is all I ever wanted to do. Right. Train people. I wanted to become masterful and win so it could validate me as a coach. <laughs> I right. only wanted to fight and win championships so I can be like, I know mm-hmm. how to fight. See, guys? But, te- but, I, I always just wanted to be a coach. That's all I ever wanted to do. So communication was just As a like, coach, yeah. oh, what is the yeah. what is the number one thing that I need as a coach, as a as a master, right? It doesn't matter your strat. There's only so many ways mm-hmm. to get some like mm-hmm. bigger muscles or more endurance, or more mobility, flexibility, or mindset coaching. There's only one way. There's only one underlying factor, right? And that's the ability to communicate and right. listen. If you have that, it doesn't matter about your skill set. Your skills will improve over time. So if you're a young trainer or, or someone that's just starting out in any field, just focus on your ability to communicate your ideas. And secondly, your ability to listen so that you can receive information accurately and not so much focus on uh, how it's presented to you, right? Because the stories that people give you, they muddle up the mm-hmm. brain. Focus on the form how the structure of the information is coming to you. That is where the truth is. The truth is in the form of how it's being presented to you. What words are they using? What inflections in, the, in the, their diction and in their tonality, their body language? Are they congruent or not? What part of the brain are they accessing? Those are things that you should be con- con- concerned with. Other than that, it's, 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 it's all art now. Once you understand how to change the body, and you're a trainer, and you're, there's only one way to get bigger. You right. eat more, right. and you lift 8 to 12 reps, 
right. accurately. That's it. There's only one way to get stronger. There's only one way to get faster. There's only one way to that's easy. Anybody can do that. Yeah. But can you communicate that effectively <laughs> to somebody that needs it? That that had a fucking day yeah. just now. They had a day. Garnett. Garnett had a day. Okay. Work has been kicking my ass right. today. Can you communicate to someone that's completely right. unresourceful? It's six PM and they are done. Their brain is somewhere else. You gotta be a badass trainer. You gotta be a badass motherfucking trainer to, to do something like that or anything in any field. Because most people right now, after the pandemic, mm. during the pandemic, yeah. because of the racial inequality, yeah. because of uh, inequality b- between men and women, they're exhausted. Yeah. So I want to segue with that point. What do you do in, in terms of daily routine to feed mind, body, and or soul? I mean, I'm a believer in all three, but I'm not going to hold you. Okay, go ahead. All right. So uh, my day-to-day. Well, now that my daughter's gone, I spend. I'm just like an elderly man now. I'm just like I walk my I walk my dog in the morning, <laughs> thinking about what was. Ah, oh, yes. When I was a young man, I could kick this high, and my karate was the best in all the land. Mm. And I listened to uh, the words of Bruce Lee. Uh, such a fundamental man. That guy was so well read. For you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said it best he was just like you know he was just on another level right and the fact that he was no so, big deal he accumulated such yeah. incredible friends like just the greatest basketball player who's ever lived you know just casually hanging out no big deal uh he, the fact that he influenced so many people because of the work he put in it gave me it gives me hope to continue um then after i walk my dog um i take my meds i, I was diagnosed with cancer last wow. year uh I, so i went for a whole year with Thinking that I was gonna die, so when Chadwick Boseman died, Chadwick Boseman passed away. I was like, and he didn't tell anybody. I was like, I feel you, nigga. Went back to the doctor to find out that I do not have cancer, uh, but I do have some two thumbs up. So I do have some liver issues though to take care of. And um, I found that out in uh, Egypt. Something was going on, and I, I was trying to figure out what the deal was. And uh, so I got that. That's a continuing journey. So I'm really thankful to just be here, honestly. Um, so I take my medication. Um, I usually eat something before I go out, and I chill. Hmm. And then I train. For, I only do four sessions a day. I do I do 8 a.m. to noon, and that's it. I don't do any more than that. After that, <laughs> I do. Uh, I take a break from 12 to 1. I eat again, and then I train a group of trainers, my Antifa Fight Club. <laughs> if you hate misogyny, homophobia, <laughs> transphobia, and racism, come holler at your boy. We'll, get it. we'll teach you how to fight, beat it the shit nice. out of Nazis. Uh, yeah, man. It's like a dream. Every day at 1 p.m. is holla at your boy. After that, I train for about three hours a day. So after we do a little fisticuffs and tossing each other around and jujitsu and Muay Thai and boxing, uh, we lift. Lift every day. Every day is sure. leg day. So we start off with some legs, some lactic acid training, some something little, that, inquires, that requires some dexterity. So we're not moving in the same direction. Shout out to Rich Beretta. He's the best trainer who's ever lived. Hmm. The genius intellect. Yeah. Um, and he he kind of like put he put together a program that was actually built for Steve Nash right. yep. back in the day when he was with the Lakers and he, he was his best friends, they were really good friends with Beretta. And uh, he used to train David Blaine as well, as you remember. Uh, a lot of those techniques and things that they learned, like how to do strongman stuff like Ben Steele hmm. and like hold your breath for 20 minutes and then like 
just to keep Steve Nash's agility up. A lot of those things I still implement into my own training, you know, and with my group. So shout out to Beretta. Love you, dude. And then after that, I, I eat again at four. I come home. I walk my dog. Sure. And then I write a lot. A lot. I write. I don't drink because of this whole liver situation and the cancer situation. Um, so I just chill out. And uh, I write. And I try to spend time with and listen to people's stories as much as I can. I'm really passionate about film. I'm writing a graphic novel. It's about a few things. But like it's, it's dope. I, I like it. I think it's pretty good. It's got good reviews so far. Um, I'm writing a book about being a dad, about being a, about being a, a black dad and the pitfalls you're going to, you're going to have to navigate. Chapter one is like, just about like the realization that once you have a child, you now know that you are going to die. Nothing <laughs> reminds you of your own mortality, like having a child. Cause if this thing is, yeah. this thing yeah. is coming after me. Probably good. Right. I'm not going to be around forever. And you start thinking that way as a dad. So imagine having that thought process when you're 17. You know, it's like, okay, I ain't going to be here. You're supposed to be enjoying your life and thinking you're invincible, but you really was right. like, I don't know, guys. Right. That dread, that existential dread that follows you around. And how do you turn that into joy? How do you appreciate every moment you have? Every even if, even if it's just a, a weekend, shit didn't work out with your baby mother, and you got to be resourceful. How, what is the best thing to do for your kid when you're when you're unresourceful? How do you go back into yeah. this, this well, this lake of replenished energy? <laughs> That's what the book is about. You know, so I started writing that on the tablet. Yeah, for show, real. <laughs> uh, called the Remarkable Two. Remarkable sponsored me. Yeah, I write a lot, and um, I do. I train with martial arts every day. I try. I teach. the The Antifa Fight Club is all trainers, though. It's all like people that are like athletes and and whatnot. Um, I might train civilians one day. But you gotta have some like athletic background. But I'm, yeah, I'm just really passionate about communication. Wow. I'm writing. I'm wow. creating a. Uh, I'm also working on creating a uh, a union for personal trainers. It's about time that we unionize and, and we come together and be able to create our own destiny because these exactly. gyms don't give a shit about yeah. us. Exactly. They just don't. And exactly. so they, they will when they see that their their pockets getting a little lighter because <laughs> we don't have to train in the gym anymore. I can train you right now. Through the screen, we don't need you anymore. So you're gonna have to start sweetening up the deal. I think making this thing a little more accessible, making this thing worthwhile to get out the house because I don't have to pay you. And on top of that, they, you know, trainers give their fucking lives to this, to this business. Yeah, and trainers that yeah. can barely walk because they, you know, they were living a life before this, and they just, there's no exit strategy. There's nowhere for them to go after this. No 401k. What are you going to do? Marry one of your clients? <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm just going to keep going, man. And I want to have another kid one day. So who knows? Yeah, I would love. Oh, hmm. man. I would love to have a, three more. And I want to name them after my, my brothers. Because I want to. My brothers deserve to have a dad around when they were younger. And I would like to symbolically represent our upbringing and pay tribute to them because they're phenomenal men as well. My brother Blake. If you're listening, because mm. you're in the next room, most likely, and my brother Sean, he's a he's a they're phenomenal people. My brother Sean's story is even crazier. That kid is a fucking miracle kid, and yeah, man, it's just uh, I, yeah, I would love to have more kids. I'd like to love to have more kids and like do it right, <laughs> and, like do it with the right woman, and like have that experience that you experience. 
You know what I mean? Like it's great. Like it's like, (laughs) all right, wife. See you later. I'm gonna go. You know, (laughs) see you later. Best wife in the world. Yeah. Take it easy. Uh, No worries. I know what you're talking about. Baby, this time I'll put it. There you go. You're tired. I know what you're talking about. Are you sure? Like have that com- like you know what I mean? Like fucking wholesome ass life. You know what I'm talking about? Hear the birds chirping in the Own background. Some property. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Go to the park. Hold. You hold one hand. Dope. She has the other I love hand. It. Ladies kids. listening, yeah, check them out. Like, I'm, ho- I'm wholesome. As- <laughs> yeah, right. I'm wholesome as shit, man. I like a boy. I'm wholesome. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> then you'll yeah. start to weed them out. Maybe. <laughs> oh man look garnett i can i can keep this up we can keep going i i remember once upon a time in vegas that's a good movie title once upon a time in vegas yeah we we spent many an hours <laughs> yeah talking about all the things existential deep and universal and oh, time wow. and space and such talk to me yeah where are you at with theology right now are you still like yeah, God, let God. let's let let let's you know what? You know? No, on that note, let's leave that for part two. Let's bring it back. I, I want I want to jump right, into that right, with you. Right. Of uh, that'll probably a yeah three hour conversation, three hour podcast. But I'm here yeah. for it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm let let's leave it there. Let's hold there. <laughs> that that's uh the cliffhanger. That's a cliffhanger right. for our conversation. Um, yeah. <laughs> So definitely happening again. In the meantime, and, and you've mentioned all the projects. I mean, you, you got a lot going on, which I love because now you, uh, you're you independent, take yeah. your life back. Um, so look, brother, right. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for making the time on this podcast today. I appreciate you going man to man with me as a true man that I know you to be and appreciate your vulnerability, your openness. And just all the gems that you dropped along the way, brother. I, like I, I feel like, as you said earlier, even though you may have been younger, or you can, or you continue to be younger in a lot of the groups that you run with, a lot of the wisdom I feel is not based on a number. It's based on your experience, and therefore based on your journey. And you've had a hell of a journey. Um, and the fact that you've come out on top, it is. Age, it's the, the mileage. mileage. It's the mileage, and where you, where you've gone yeah. with said mileage. So I appreciate you. And look for those who want to follow the Garnet Struther journey further. Check out the independent independent trainer podcast. It's available everywhere. You listen to podcasts everywhere. Yeah, man. Spotify, except for Apple. Yeah, everything. Spotify, the independent trainer podcast. Struther. There you underscore go. PT everywhere. For the PT.com, Twitter, all of that stuff, baby. I'll let your boy. If you have any questions about communication and how you can uh, take your communication to the next level, I'd love to have conversations about that. I love the inner workings of the mind and how to motivate and get people to be productive towards their journey. Beautiful. So. Beautiful. Well, on that note, Black Love Fam, make sure to tell another brother, king or queen about man to man so we can keep these convos going and keep building each other up and if there's someone you want to hear on man to man connect with me on instagram at waziki w-a-s-i-c-k-i and until next week peace love and thanks brian 
Shout out Brian Oh my God, he's immortal. The immortal Brian Winston. The immortal Brian Winston. That's a wrap.